Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and I'm the creator of the show Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake because none of us have time to exercise and work out. And me, I'm probably shaking a little bit more than I wish I were. This is going to be a community-hosted podcast, not by me, but by a collection of women all over the country who are going to share their stories, struggles, and solutions, some with their own guests on their episodes, some without. Each one will be a wonderful sampler of a story that you can relate to or that might help you, and I hope that you all enjoy it. Moms don't have time to move and shake. Get moving. Hello and welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. I'm your host today, Shelby Riley. I'm a mom to a 19-year-old, and I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist. I own a group practice, a family therapy practice in Chester Springs, Pennsylvania, where we serve clients ages 4 to 104. And my guest today is one of the six talented therapists on my team, Carrie O'Toole. She is the mom to three beautiful children. And remind me, Carrie, how old are your kids? 15, 13, and 9. <laughs> so you are in the thick of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Carrie was actually just telling me that this morning we had to start a little late because the bus didn't show up and like all kinds of shenanigans this mm-hmm. morning. Yes. I had things planned perfectly, perfectly <laughs> and it didn't work out, yeah. but I'm here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm. Thank you so much for joining me today. I thought it would be really interesting. We are humans first. We are women, you know, in the world, but we are also both uh, licensed mental health professionals. And so I thought it would be interesting to kind of talk about health and wellness, how we make time for ourselves with a little bit of our professional expertise at play. And so I thought it would be really great to maybe think a little bit about some of the things that we have learned just as people and then also as professionals that have kind of guided us to a couple of wins in our life in terms of prioritizing our health and wellness. And then maybe also talk a little bit about the ways that we still get in our own way. You know, again, we're, we're human. Just because we talk with people about how to kind of live their best life, how to live in healthier ways, both mentally and of course, your mental uh, health involves your physical well-being, we still get tripped up quite a bit, right? We still get hung up not really prioritizing ourselves or taking good care of ourselves. So one of the things that I would like to say is that since we're therapists, we are trained mental health professionals and we help clients recognize unhelpful patterns and find solutions to help them live more satisfying lives. But this episode is not intended to be used in place of um, any listener's therapy And we aren't medical doctors. And so listeners, please check with your doctor before starting any new nutrition or exercise programs. So diving in, I think I've said this to you before, Carrie, like I'm always a little inspired. Like you are fit. You and I are around the same age. I'm 48. Remind Mm -hmm. me like you're 40. 48 in a week. Oh, you are. We're both 48. (laughs) I thought like you were two years behind me, but I always like group everyone in the same. But no, we're both 48. Yes. Yes. So I... Uh, always kind of think you are more fit than I am. Uh, You do a better job of staying fit than I do. And so I know like we talk in group supervision and um, you and I, you know, on the side, just about how um, you really do a great job of prioritizing exercise, even though like I hear about your schedule with the ice rink (laughs) sitting and the driving and the hockey Mm -hmm. games, um, traveling to Canada and, you know, everywhere else. 
you still managed to do a really good job of really putting exercise as a priority. And so can you tell me a little bit about just sort of your relationship to your body? You know, like if you sort of think about like childhood to now, like how has that come about, you know, that you've been able to really prioritize your fitness and your health and wellness? Because I think sometimes that does have a lot to do with just how you've felt about yourself and your body through the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot to consider. And the relationship I have with my body is less linear than the relationship I have with exercise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like starting in childhood, I remember I really wanted to play lacrosse in middle school. And I begged my parents for a treadmill so I could get in shape because February is really cold outside <laughs> and I didn't want to run outside. So they did. As a holiday gift, they got me a treadmill. So then all of a sudden, boom, I have easy access. So it was there whenever I wanted it Mm -hmm. to use or not to use to try out for lacrosse. So it was like, that's what really started it. So I try out for lacrosse and then I'm on the team. And then I, all of a sudden, all the way till summer, I'm in shape. And then I started running outside and then all of a sudden it's fall and I'm getting back in shape for lacrosse again. So it did become this kind of just yearly, it was just a structure in my life. It just started when I was younger and it was almost like a hook that Mm -hmm. that just, if I didn't do it, it felt like I was doing, I wasn't doing something right that day. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, You feel a little off. I was missing something. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's just always been present ever since my, so that's where it started, but specifically my 20s was kind of when I always had either membership to a gym or some sort of easy accessibility, because if it wasn't accessible, then that was always kind of more problematic. But the experience with my body, of course, is a little less linear, a little Mm -hmm. more up and down over time. (laughs) Um, But Overall, like the really defining point was when I had my first child mm-hmm. and that, that was when instead of from a place of feeling a little insecure and what are other people going to think of how I look, all that younger part of me shifted into like, I can't believe what my body just did. Mm. Like, look at what it did. And then it did it two more times. And yes. there's like this sense of pride and this sense of like, wow, look at how much bodies can adapt. Mm -hmm. And so it just was like this beautiful, so it totally shifted my thought about, you know, I I just, I don't even really think about it anymore. I do my exercise and then I know everything will be okay. And I don't even get stuck on those thoughts. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Because I feel like I loved being pregnant and I loved the shape and the change and like, yes, I can grow a human in here. Like amazing. Mm -hmm. But I definitely had a hard time afterwards, you know, where it's like they don't really prepare you for the fact that, like, your belly is just jelly for months, or at least mine you know, growing up. So it was really interesting for me. I was always – I'm one of three. I'm the middle child. My brother and my sister are both taller and thinner than I am. And so I was the chubby one growing up. And I didn't exercise. I wasn't into sports. I was a total nerd. <laughs> I loved school and I played the violin <laughs> and I was into theater and I danced and like I, I did some, you know, physical stuff, but I was not an athlete. And so 
I didn't really start exercising until college. And for some dumb reason, my boyfriend and I decided to wake up at 6 a.m. every day and go to the gym and lift weights. And then I was like, well, I'm going to get really bulky if I don't do some cardio. And so I started running on the treadmill and riding the stationary bike. And then I got into aerobics and I loved aerobics. And so I became an instructor. I taught in both of our wellness gyms on campus and I taught through grad school I will date myself. Like I taught slide aerobics, which was a whole thing like in the 90s. And that's when I really sort of kind of came into my own. But I have definitely carried that like you're the chubby one and like, oof, like you're not thin enough. And my sister, you know, the story of her having her first child is like she tells me like, I walked out of the hospital in my skinny jeans, you know, and you're like, oh, not me, not me. Like, I struggled and I had to actually have a conversation with myself to say it took you nine, 10. Honestly, my son was a little late. It took you 10 months to grow this baby. You get at least 10 months until you have to start caring about like what your body looks like. Can you just let your body be functional? You're, you're nursing, you know, it's like you're cuddling, you're holding, like just let your body do what it's supposed to do. And don't worry about so much how it looks. But I do have a lot of that like internal dialogue around what I should look like. And so it sounds like you were lucky maybe to be raised in an environment where that wasn't um, being fed to you a lot in terms of the shoulds of how you should look or what your body should be looking like or. Yeah, there agreed. There was not, I did not, if I kind of look back and scour my childhood and what my parents' disposition was towards bodies and things like that. Now, they didn't exercise. That was, mm. <laughs> that, but that was also a little old school, like who exercised in like the 60s? Yeah. And I mean, some people did, <laughs> but, like, but it wasn't as much of a cultural movement right. until later. Totally. But no, there were not a lot of messages about you need to look this way or that way or the other way nice. at all. Nice. And so if you think about now, And it does feel like daily exercise just feels like for you, like brushing your teeth in some ways, like you're going to feel a little if you haven't done it, right? Like, (laughs) do you have um, like the top one or two habits that you've developed that really kind of are working for you to continue to make that a priority and to make your wellness a priority in your daily life? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The first, like I had talked about earlier, is accessibility. It has Mm -hmm. to be accessible. So if I have a gym membership, that's fine and that works. But if I can have a piece of equipment in the the basement, that's great because on busier days, then I can just go down the steps, sneak on a sneak a workout in really quickly and then run back up the steps and do what I need to do. So having that accessibility and some weights in the basement is really helpful. So that's definitely a priority because I certainly will will make excuses to get there if it's not accessible <laughs> enough. Um, yep. And also there's a kind of a mental reframe because sometimes I can work out in the morning and sometimes I can't work out till later, but because of the busy schedule and all of the stuff that's going on, I have to be flexible. So yep. there's a flexibility piece. And so I have this mental reframe that if it's in the beginning of the day, that, okay, I'm preparing for my day. This will help me feel better today. Right. And if it's at the end of the day, it's like, okay, this will help me decompress from my day. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have this this mental reframe for whether it's the morning or the evening. And I know I have to be a little bit flexible. Brilliant. Brilliant. 
Yeah, I feel like one of the things I did, and sometimes I worry it sabotages me a little bit because I have, like, basically, I refer to myself as the family puppy. And, like, from the time that my son was seven or eight, I was like, I need to be walked every day, which I sometimes worry goes against because, like, maybe I'm just walking and I'm not actually sweating enough. I'm not really working hard enough to, to really do what my body needs as I get older. But I do find walking is just such a lovely way to move your body. And I feel like it's this great way to spend time with my husband and my son. We used to do family walks when my, my kid was younger, but then all of a sudden, really quickly, it split into, I do a walk with my son and I do a separate walk with my husband. And that was just a daily thing. They just knew it. And as a therapist, you know, what we know is that is ticking so many boxes, right? It's like yeah. you're outside, the sunshine is good for your circadian rhythms and your mood, the fresh air kind of helps wake you up. Even the motion of walking, that like bilateral movement using both sides of your body helps to sort of unlock your mind a little bit. It helps you get unstuck. Mm-hmm. And then I'm spending this quality screen-free time with my husband and my son. And we can talk about what's going on. We can plan, you know, like vacations, we can daydream, we can process, or we can just be quiet. And there's been, my son is a quiet person. And so there's been plenty of walks where most of it's just quiet, but it feels connecting to be together. And I do think, especially because I'm the only female in the house, that that side-by-side sort of shoulder-to-shoulder, less eye contact, um, opens them up more. It actually allows us to talk more because I think both my husband and son do get a little shut down when there's like intense eye contact. It feels like really pressure filled. And so I just have found that that has been like, when I kind of look back and I'm like, what's one of the best things I ever did for like myself and for them and for our relationships and for our family, it's sort of instituting this idea that it's just a given. Like like in the beginning, I had to sort of demand it. And then it just became a, a Thing. And I remember actually coming back from, I was in Hawaii for two weeks at a writing conference and then visiting my niece. And I got home at like midnight and Thomas was, I don't know, probably like 15 or 16 at the time. And the very first thing he said is, would you like to go for our walk? And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a, Aww. like, hey, no, I'm exhausted and I just <laughs> want to go to bed. But like, B, yes, of course I do. And he had saved up, right, all of, it was a lot of griping, actually, about, like, the limits and rules, you know, that his dad had put into place while I was away. But it was just so amazing to me to, like, see the, the like, real culmination of, like, all of those years of habit that he wants to do that with me. And honestly, it was the best thing I could have done because I was sitting on planes for, you know, the entire day. It's really nice for my body to take a 20-minute walk before I then lay down and go to bed. So nice. it does feel like one of my big wins. Yeah. Do you have any other wins that sort of come to mind for you where you think like, this was probably one of the best things I've done for myself when it comes to my health and my wellness? As far as exercise and moments of kind of recognizing that importance and how it's Mm -hmm. translated into. Mm -hmm. Or, Or anything. I mean, really, like it could be anything having to do with like just kind of taking care of yourself as a person, you know? Yeah. And I think that having three kids, there's always a lot of noise. There's always a lot of 
stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And so for me, having this, like yours was this really connective, nice experience that sounds amazing and lovely. (laughs) And for me, having this solo time Mm -hmm. is amazing and lovely where, yes, they will walk their little feet down the steps and be like, what are we having for dinner? You know, but I'll say like, I'll be with you in 20 minutes. I'm not quite sure yet, but I'm thinking about it right now, (laughs) you know? So it's this nice place for me to have a little bit of that separation to rejuvenate myself a little bit because, yeah, it does get very, very busy with with yeah. the three. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense, right? Like when you have one kid, each parent can like sort of divide and conquer and you do get a lot more alone time. When you have three kids, there's very little alone time. And so yes. having that sense that like this exercise time is not just about preparing for my day or decompressing for my day and taking care of my body. It's also just a time for me to be alone with my yes. own thoughts. That's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of thoughts, it like occurs to me, one of the other things that I feel really lucky actually having chosen this career in this field is, you know, you and I do a lot of work with people around their internal self-talk mm-hmm. because that is the most powerful voice yes. in our life, right? I mean, just, and we know it comes from lots of different places, but I definitely have the same really cruel, really negative self-talk that a lot of women have. And, you know, I can look in the mirror and instantly I could hear it inside my head, right? Like, ugh, like, oh, you've put on weight. Like, oh, you look terrible. Oh, look at your saggy eyes, you know, like, oh, like, look at your arms. And it's so ugly. And so what I love is that early on, you know, as we're working with clients, we really have to be able to own this work ourselves. And so I was able to develop a really wise, kind response to that. So I can't stop those thoughts from happening. I wish I could. I wish there was something like some work that I could do that would just make me love myself constantly. But I I just know that I will probably always have those automatic negative thoughts that come in. But I have developed this ability to be able to go, oh, wow, listen to that. That's Mm -hmm. so harsh, right? Like that is not true look at yourself. Stop and really look at yourself. You are a beautiful human being, right? And like, honestly, the way you look isn't the most interesting or most important thing about you. And your body's job is not to look good. Your body's job is not to bring pleasure to other people or to make other people attracted or aroused. Like your body's job is to carry you through the world. Your body's job is to hug the people that you love, right? Like your body's job is to be able to reach up onto a high shelf and grab a ream of paper successfully. Like really having the ability to not go down that track and think like, oh, well, I thought this ugly thought, therefore it's true. Therefore I must continue to berate Mm -hmm. myself and therefore I must do something to punish myself like having the ability to just like you would if a kid said that, right? If a kid was like, I hate myself, I'm ugly. You wouldn't be like, yeah, yeah, let's go down that road, right? right? You'd be like, hold on a minute. Wow, like that's harsh. Let's think about this a little differently. And like to be able to do that for myself, I think has really made a huge difference in knowing I probably won't ever look perfect, right? I won't ever look in the mirror and be like, yes, you've done it, you know, like, but I will be able to love myself and I'll be able to appreciate myself. And I can very quickly kind of come back into a place of real respect and love and appreciation for my body. And so that's felt really huge too. It's felt like a big win, even though the ugliness 
still is there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting from, you're reminding me of this mindfulness perspective that I always love to have in my thoughts throughout the day, which is because I look at that like medicine, the different doses of medicine, Mm -hmm. of precision, gentleness, and letting go, Mm -hmm. and building this bigger container around the ability to just have this real gentleness with ourselves because our culture does not train that very well. So it's, it's lovely what, how you've how you've worked with that and built this nice container for yourself to acknowledge the thoughts and also to let them go. Mm-hmm. Yes, to be able be to be kind. I, to I wish I could let them go forever and they'll never come back, but I know they'll <laughs> come back. But yes, it is a really important practice to be able to notice those things. And so, just so our listeners know that we're human, you know, we don't have it all figured out. No, like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> is there, I, I have a big self-sabotage thing that I do, but I'm curious, like, do you have a way that you have a tendency to get in your own way where you sort of self-sabotage and make problems for yourself in terms oh, of yes. really living, you know, the best way possible for your health? Absolutely. So my favorite is overthinking and what if kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. So I find that when I start to overthink about something because it's some sort of external concern of some kind, it actually limits my ability to get on that stinking elliptical machine. It does because I'm like, no, 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 I have to figure this out first. I can't move forward till I think about this enough to kind of figure out how to get past it. Oh, wait, and then I can work out and I'll grapple with Mm -hmm. myself because of course I know that that sounds ridiculous because like, When we're feeling that way, the best thing to do is to separate from the thinking and go work out. But of course, it's really, really challenging. So yeah, I can get stuck in overthinking sometimes. And it's so funny because like sometimes if you work out, exercising will unlock some of that thinking in your mind and you come up with these great new ideas and right. you're like, oh, there's the solution right, right. there. And it's like, uh-huh. how do we do this? Yeah. Yeah. Mine is I was raised in a house where I was taught to pay more attention to other people's needs than my own. If I could make sure that the other people in my house were feeling okay, and if they were calm and they were good, then I was okay. And so I do have this weird internal like thing where I just really put other people's needs ahead of my own, even when they are not asking me to, <laughs> and when they don't even need it. You know, like I had an example the other day where before my son left for college, I thought he was gonna sleep till 10. I was going to work out at 8.30. I was going to be dressed, you know, and like ready. And then, you know, we could spend a little bit of time together before he went off to work because, you know, the time was fleeting. He was going to be going back to school. But he woke up early. And so I'm like dressed and ready to go down into the basement and work out. And there's my son on the couch. He didn't say a word to me, Carrie. And I was like, well, I guess I can't work out now. Guess I need to just go snuggle on the couch with that little boo-boo because he's leaving soon. You know, and I'm like, what is that? Like, and I thought... I am robbing him of something if I go take this time for myself. And like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. He wants to be on his phone for an hour while he's waking up. He doesn't need me. And I, I watch myself do this repeatedly where I decide other people need things from me. And so therefore I can't give myself the thing that I was going to do because I need to be available I mean, maybe my son's going to look up in 10 minutes and go, mom, you know, do you want to come snuggle? And I need to be there. I need to be there to say yes. And it's the dumbest, 
silliest thing in the world. And like I sit in session and I talk about healthy boundaries and I talk about taking up space in the world and prioritizing yourself. And then I watch myself do this. And so I have to, that's part of my work lately is recognizing, can I, can I notice it when I do it? And can I really ask myself, like, is this completely necessary or am I working from an old script in an old pattern that's like from deep from childhood and is no longer appropriate here? And if I am going to give this person the time that I was just about to give myself because I've decided it's really important and necessary, where am I taking the time later? And so having your kind of flexibility where I could actually say, ah, I could do it at night, right? Because they'll be doing something else and then I could decompress would really allow me to have healthier boundaries with my own kind of obligations to other people versus my responsibility to myself. And so that, that is my homework, right? Like I know at the end of our therapy sessions, I have a tendency to give homework based on kind of what we talked about. And so for me, it would be, you know, continue walking and being the family puppy and continue uh, trying to be the kindest I can to myself with this sort of like wise, kind internal response to the negativity. And it's to really like hold myself accountable to this work of noticing when I'm putting other people first, when I don't really need to. What about you? Like, would you have homework for yourself? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) A part of it, of course, is this mommy guilt that will come up no matter what. It's like no matter how much we work with it, like how much I strive and run them around and do all of this stuff, there's always this sense that I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. And so reminding myself that like I don't have to wear a cape and I don't have to be amazing and I some days are just good enough and that's fine. But with the overthinking piece, it's of course reminding myself exactly what you said, which is like, like, you know what? A break might actually open up some creative space here mm-hmm. for me to actually have a solution kind of pop up and bubble to the surface instead of like, well, maybe if I just grind my mind into this problem <laughs> over and over and over, something will be figured out here. Yes. No, that like once I've thought about something for five minutes, do I need to think any more about it mm-hmm. <laughs> or would it be helpful to take that break, get yes. on the elliptical machine and maybe like broaden my horizons here? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and our listeners are not going to get off easy either. I want every one of you who's listening today to think about your homework. How can you keep doing what's working and what's one thing to focus on so you can kind of get out of your own way? Carrie, Thank you so much for being with me today and being here with us today and being vulnerable you know, with us. I know we don't often get to share some of the details of our lives because in, in therapy sessions, it's about our clients. And so I really appreciate you kind of being open and honest. It's always comforting to know that each and every one of us remains a work in progress. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today and listening in. Take care. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. Get moving.